Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Oh boy, here we go again. It's Monday. Mondays are tough. Monday, February 3rd. Uh, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to start, guys. Used to be, back when the world seemed a little less fraught, um, on the Monday after a Super Bowl, I would start with, you know, the commercials and just a general critique, halftime performance, all that kind of stuff. And I... I've got to fight this more because, I I mean, I'm losing the ability to um, care about any of this, anything, anything. I watched the Super Bowl. I knew it was going to be a great game, and it, it was a great game. The team I was rooting for won. That's always nice. The only time I didn't want them to win was when their fans started up that damn tomahawk chop chant that I grew to loathe so much when the Atlanta Braves fans did it. It's so disrespectful of Native Americans. It really is. It's beyond belief. So, I mean, it just seems like ev. And then, okay. I, w- I will share with you my generalized, uh, you know, I guess negativity, and I'm sorry about it, but I was watching with my son and his girlfriend, and um, they would be the first to tell you that every, the only comments I ever seemed to make were things like, God, I hate this culture. <laughs> I must have said that about 5,000 times during the, God! This is such a repulsive culture we inhabit. And that was a response to many of the commercials, to the halftime, which I admitted after it was done, I said that was a good show, but it is part and parcel of this culture I find repulsive. When did entertainment become When did the entertainment this culture craves become women sticking their vaginal areas and their behinds in our faces? If there was one more crotch shot of JLo during that halftime, I was going to I mean, if I were a gynecologist, I probably would have thrown my hands up and said, I don't get enough of this at the office. I mean, what? And then I started to wonder, am I like just an old fart now? Well, yes, I am. But last time I looked, the Super Bowl was supposed to be a family affair. The quintessential American cultural experience. And there it was, all in a nutshell. Manipulative, overly sexualized, 
I, I don't know. The other thing I have to admit I did um, <clears throat> immediately after the halftime show is I Googled, how old is Jennifer Lopez? <laughs> yes. Jeez. Woo. Let's hear it for middle-aged women. I mean, even as I said, I, you know, I didn't need to see have her butt and her vagina stuck in my face so many times. But, yeah, man, she's 50, it's sad. So, you know, you always think they're going to lowball it. But And Shakira, uh, 43. So those were two old ladies in our culture. But I couldn't help but note that the women were half naked and the, the one guy, who was that guy, the, the, the guy who sang with him, he was covered from head to toe. Men get to be clothed. Women have to walk around half naked. Why even bother having the costume on? The costume was, you know... Anyway, I found the commercials mostly awful. But see, I hate this culture now. So even one that started to grab me, the most manipulative one of all, and I, I, of course, I never remember what any of these commercials were selling, um, was the one with the old man narrating, trying, remembering his, his wife, Loretta. That was lovely, except, <laughs> except for what was being, what was being sold to us. They grab you with the sentiment but they're telling you that you need, who was it? Is it was it Google, Siri? What does that have to say? You need this artificial friend. Okay, I will remember that for you. Yes, I will write that down. I will be the keeper of your memories. When we don't need that, we are the keeper of our memories. And I found myself after that one, I screamed at that, stop manipulating us. <laughs> okay, so. Um, I don't know. I. What do you do when you find yourself living in a cultural cesspool. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's what I feel like I'm living in. And what's interesting is that this places me uh, in the midst of a lot of Trump voters. <laughs> a lot of people, you know, who don't live, um, who live in, you know, Whiteville, um, rural America, who want things to be the way things had always been, they must recoil at much of what I'm recoiling about as well. But they make the mistake, as far as I'm concerned, of then in their distress uh, following 
false prophets and allowing themselves to be played. So normally I do this, yeah, what are the best ads, what were the worst, I don't know. I And I even ended up not watching all of them. I was watching the game pretty much and I walked out a lot. So I don't have any. That high, I did see the Heinz ad and didn't even understand it. What the hell was that? <sighs> anyway. <coughs> I I so find this culture <laughs> repellent. And yet there is so much culture to be had that is not repellent. That art that is in fact beautiful moving, provocative uh, representation of life, of love, of all of it, right? But it is not the popular entertainment and popular culture. Well, the rantings of an old woman and you know, at some point, you just either decide to uh, stop trying to keep up, uh, which for me is uh, very difficult because I, uh, by virtue of doing a program like this, I don't want to be a total, you know, nitwit, not aware of what's going on in the world we inhabit. But I find myself increasingly disinterested. How many of you, when you're standing in line at the uh, grocery store and you're perusing the front pages of, you know, the tabloids and the magazines, people and us, look at the people that are selling the magazine, so clearly really important cultural people, and you don't have a clue who they are. You might have a vague clue. Oh yeah, I've heard that name, or she looks vaguely familiar. But at some point, you do age out, I think, of popular culture. And man, I've, I've pretty much done it. Although, I remain open to people, young, younger people, uh, like my son, saying, listen to this, which is why I don't scorn hip-hop, because I know there's just incredible stuff going on in that genre, which most folks who didn't come of age with it refuse to admit. I don't know. So I don't think I have uh, I have much to say. Um, <laughs> she said after talking for 12 minutes about how she had nothing to say about it. 
All right. Well, okay. And then, of course, since last we spoke, the 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 fix uh, became it became clear was in. I actually subjected myself to some of the um, last moments uh, before the uh, Mitch McConnell Senate uh, closed it down and said, "No, we don't need we don't need to hear no stinking witnesses." So this week will be interesting. Can I bear to watch the State of the Union address tomorrow? I don't think so. We have a caller. Maybe the caller can watch it and tell me tell me on Wednesday. Hello, caller. Hello. Hello. How you doing? I'm hey, a- I took your advice. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. Fuck them. I'm glad I didn't. Ah. Well, there's nobody in it I want anyway, so I don't care. Yeah, my wife didn't even watch it. She she always watches that, and it was great. I I did watch something else, and uh, I, I hate that celebrity culture. I I hate that all Americans have to watch the Super Bowl. I like people go across. Uh, Across the grain, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm more of independent. I like independent thinkers. And I, I just can't stand this shit that's like everybody follows the leader, and I cannot stand that. And I do not watch the State of the Unions. I never watch them anymore. <laughs> I've watched the State of the Union for I don't know how long. Either side. I can't. I think they're a bunch of blow. I wish they just would um, put it out there on a, you know, a little, maybe have that, like, I don't know. Somebody got out there and talk a bit about it, and that's it. Don't have this big uh, fake handshake thing and all this BS. But um, hello, I'm here. I'm just I'm I'm sitting here listening. Oh, okay, I'm done. That's what I was just saying I yeah I can't stand the celebrity culture anymore. I just really the whole entertainment business. I I just can't. They're so overpaid, and then you have the next person working yeah, yeah. so hard can't afford their prescriptions. There's something wrong with oh, this country, yeah. but something's really wrong. Don't get it. They don't get yeah. it. Well, uh, the whole Kobe Bryant thing. Oh, vomit material. So yeah, I just can't take any of it, and it's better not to watch that stuff. Find stuff that shows you how to do stuff, train you in something, play the guitar, or any kind of hobby like that. You'll learn more. You don't learn anything from this idiot politics and that. It just I haven't been staying away from it. I hear you. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Okay, thank you. Bye. Sorry I had to rattle on there. No, that's okay. I uh, mean, you rattle, I rattle. What the hell? Okay, thank you. Yeah. I, I, okay, thank okay. you. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw out a real challenge here. Can we, with uh, 45 minutes left in this uh, this happy uh, gathering, can any will anybody call in who is in a different and more optimistic mood, seriously, about life, about us, about the culture. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, anyway, uh, wait a minute. I actually had a thought of something that I should talk to you about, and it disappeared in the, in the damn... It was something that was going to pull us away uh, from this. 
but I'll be damned if I know what it was at this point. Um, oh, yes, I got it. One thing I did um, in the last few days is I did watch a movie. And rarely do I like any movies anymore. <laughs> this old Kermit, this is a good movie. I want to recommend a movie. I'm hardly the first to do it. It's the South Korean film Parasite. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm a little not sure about the end. I think it's sort of lost its way at the end, but what a, I thought, the whole time I was watching, I thought, now this, <laughs> this is a really great movie. It is. It is. Um, so I really, really recommend it to you. It's already won a ton of awards. It damn well should win the Oscar. I don't know if it will. It is nominated, I believe. Um, it's really good. Um, that's all I want to say. I, I had given up all hope of... Of course, it didn't come out of Hollywood. But I, I'd given up all hope. Because with our culture... Um, Our culture creates crap. I have an obit left over from last Thursday. <laughs> I never got to it. The guy's still dead, by the way. Uh, so in that regard, it's not like this is not timely. I mean, nothing's changed. I just wanted to share it with you. And in some respects, it, it also speaks to a, a lost culture. Um, and that is so removed from the halftime display at uh, yesterday's Super Bowl that it shows the distance we've traveled because this is uh, the obituary of a man who uh, played in a uh, music group that in my childhood <laughs> was, I loved I loved, and the difference of what was considered popular, and it was popular, to what is popular now is, I mean, it's not, it, it, night and day doesn't exactly make the, the proper um, amount of distance. I guess... This is coming from truly white culture, as I think back. I'm looking at three guys. They are so white and so 50s. And they got guitars. And they were not rockers. They were the Kingston Trio. Now, this is going to date me. Because the Kingston Trio comes from the middle 50s. They started in 1956, their first hit song, Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley. Okay, I won't, I won't sing, I won't sing, I won't sing, Hang Down. 
which was a stupid song, I thought. But for some reason, they... And their songs were... I, I don't know. It rose to number one on the singles chart. It earned the Kingston Trio a Grammy. They uh, had 14 albums on Billboard's top ten. Five of them were number one. So this was a... At that time, this was the culture. Very white, very mild. The guy who died was the guy whose voice is the one that you heard most. Beautiful voice. His name was Bob Shane. He died at the age of uh, 85. Bob Shane always said, we didn't consider ourselves folk singers. People said, this is folk, these are folk singers. And he said, to call the Kingston Trio folk singers was kind of stupid. We never called ourselves folk singers. Um, but this was heading into the Kennedy era. We were a young, hopeful nation <laughs> if you were alive then you will you would know that oh there was such hope john f kennedy seemed to you know embody this youthful young can do we were this is right before vietnam right it was we didn't know then that it was the end the beginning of the end of our of our innocence but also not of our innocence because the 50s of course was when black folks knew their place women knew their place gay people didn't dare didn't dare Even Joan Baez loved him, even though she helped take him down. Bob Dylan, Joan Baez, Peter, Paul, and Mary, they were a little tougher, more political, and they sort of swept them aside as, as the country started to change. Trying to think of other songs. Scotch and soda, jigger of gin. Also, they were the first to, um, the song, It Was a Very Good Year, that Frank Sinatra made so famous, that was written for Bob Shane and for the Kingston Trio. And they first recorded it. It was a very good year. And Frank Sinatra went from there and made it one of his classics just wanted to say there's something about me bemoaning the culture that exists and me you know remembering this culture all gauzy and hopeful and yet covering up a reality that we were just about to start coming to terms with we have a call er caller go ahead please Hi, Lynn. Hi. You, you wanted a positive call. 
Well, you don't sound... Look, I can tell right now from your tone that you are not a positive, right? You know, no, I, I, I guess you said not, you weren't going to watch a football game in the previous caller, so he didn't watch it and probably said his wife didn't watch it. I watched it. I watched I, it. Did I say I wasn't going to watch oh, it? Okay, oh, okay, did. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I watched okay. I it. I the gentleman implied that you didn't. No, 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 oh, no, okay. no. I watched it because I knew um, it would be a hell of a game. Those were two really good teams, and it was a hell of a game. Yes? Because that's my point, is, like, I watch it because I need any positive distraction that takes my mind off real life. Yeah, but football and... is not a positive. Football is not a positive because now we know <laughs> all those glorious young men out there are hurting themselves for our pleasure, right? I, I understand that, and and if it, if and when it goes away, I will understand that, and I won't be boohooing when it goes away. I understand completely. However. You know, because one of the other things the previous caller was talking about, um, you know, all these people make all this money and this and that. I do not begrudge any entertainer unless they're doing something that's like harming the world. Any time, I, I, they can make as much money as they want. They didn't inherit daddy's fortune, and because of that, could go ahead and screw up the rest of the world. Because they're just a rich little bastard. Um, but you know, the, the football players, even Galo and Shakira, I mean, I watch the halftime show cause my wife, my wife likes it and you can look at the negative. It was really like, they were just promoting, it, it was very sexy, sexist. Um, it was sexy women if women are to be looked at as I didn't get any, uh, you know, yeah. It was women as sexual objects. I'm so sick of it. And women openly. You know, I, I just, it's depressing. However, I even said, as I lamented, what I think is the coarsening and overly sexualized, uh, you know, like really, Hannibal Burris, do you know who he is? He actually tweeted out uh, during the halftime, wow, this is a hell of a show, but what am I going to tell my kids? And that's what I, I absolutely. I mean, this is what you know. Uh, plenty of kids watch that, so we. I don't think you want children um, being subjected to this sexualization of women. Uh, so early we you know we're a hypocritical country it speaks out of both sides of its mouth blah 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 blah. i can't i don't know um but it was a hell of a show oh, I, and i, I said I that it was a hell of a show i understand what you're saying extremely talented women unbelievable yeah, uh, they could have done it with clothes yeah, on it i would have enjoyed it more and with you know fewer you know shots of j-lo's friggin vagina i don't need those shots <laughs> I mean, there was one where the camera literally just zeroed right in. She, and I'm thinking, what is this? It's insane. Yeah. It's, it's so unnecessary. Like I, I and a friend who 
eight-year-old daughters watching this. What the hell are they learning? Oh, I'll tell you what they're learning. They're learning how to be a woman. They're learning, they're learning what's they're not good they're, enough. They're not. They're learning they're not what's important. Enough. They're not strong enough. They're, they're not. This. They don't have no. good hair. They don't. Whatever. Uh, but it's, uh, we, we, this is a a a de, just decrepit, degenerate culture, in every way, from football, the violence of football, to the sexualization of, of the of women in the halftime show. Um, it's ever been thus. But to celebrate it seems to me to be absurd. It's it's like it's two sides of a coin in some ways. Like I I want those performers to do well. I mean, you know, they are artists, um, and it's and it speaks poorly of our culture that they are successful in the way they are. But they're very talented. Um, oh yeah. But. On the other side, you, we were talking. You were talking about um, your respect for hip hop earlier. Yeah. For some. And, and um, <laughs> for some. Oh yeah. I mean, There's we, some great stuff. Yeah, because I mean, like you look at you look at some of the words, and it's like it's poetry, is what it is. Yeah. Um, depending on who it is, too. But the thing I miss most, you know, is musicianship. Um, you know, I, I, I before I, I didn't watch any of the preamble of the Super Bowl. I just watched the game for the game itself, and then I flipped off. You know, I turned it on right at 6:30 and turned it off when it was a. Were, but before that, I was watching um, a Melissa Etheridge concert, and she had musicians all over the stage. They were they were like competing, like the better guitar player, drummer, piano player. It was really a lot of fun, and these people are talented. And and that's my downer with a lot of new music it's not just hip-hop it's a lot of it's just computer generated sounds which i guess which is art but to me well look you know i have no i have no desire to go right 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 i did that one thinking i was going to see this guy and like where's the instrument it's one guy on a stage he sings a little bit and he's playing these sounds with his computer up on the stage like and like my nieces and nephews love that shit Mm mm-hmm well, we it. age out. I mean, we age out. There's no doubt. Everybody, the music that they knew uh, uh, in their younger years is the music that informs their their life. I mean, it, it is it is true. Um, whatever. Hey, I've got another call, so I'm gonna thank you for okay. for your semi right, well. uh, semi optimistic, uh, not even that uh, right. call. <laughs> thank you. Good, wonderful entertainment. Yeah. On the football field last year. Okay. okay. Bye. 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 All right. Uh, caller. Hello. Hey, hey, it's Jonathan. How you doing, Lynn? Jonathan, I was almost about to read your email. Oh, uh, you were. Well, feel free when I'm done or before Go ahead. or whatever. But I want to say two things. Um, speaking of over-sexualized. Super Bowl performances. Do you know who was the halftime performer the last time the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Mary Poppins? I don't know who. There wasn't. Carol one. Channing. Carol Channing? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, geez. Can you imagine if she did the same routine? <laughs> <laughs> Hello. 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 Oh, that's wonderful. But I wanted 
But about the um, the Google ad, I think I had a different take than you did. Okay. Um, based on the the age of the person who was featured in the commercial, I took it as that he was of an age that he was kind of losing his memory. memory yeah. That they were fading, and yeah. he wanted to make sure to hold on to them. And it was manipulative, but that, that was my take. Okay, and I think uh, 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 reading later what Google said is it was uh, their intent, and the guy who voiced it was, in fact, the grandfather of one of their employees. Um, so, uh -huh. yeah, that it, there, it was authentic in, in that respect. I just hate being manipulated when, it's, um, when I realize that it's to sell... Google shit. I mean, I, I don't mind being manipulated at, in a theater, you know, when, uh, you know, when I go to the theater, because that's not a commercialized thing. I just hate it when it's capitalists doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. And there's the creepy factor of, <laughs> we know more and more about you. Yes, exactly. Oh, God. So you wrote, I wanted to say this, that uh, the other day on Thursday when I uh, had um, Natalia Zuckerman um, here, I, I mentioned that Jewess was um, a pejorative, which I had not known, and I, I still refuse to you know, give in to that because I love the word. And you were surprised to hear that, and you, you looked it up, and it still is, you know, because I'm talking 30 years ago when that happened to me, and, and it still says... You says the the dictionary said it was dated or offensive. Correct. Jewess. Which I don't buy. I think it's beautiful. Oh, I do too. I've always found it a beautiful word. Anyway, you then go on to say, and I'm going to ask you some questions. In 1970, when I was nine years old, my mother took me to Italy. She'd served in Italy in World War II. Now, I remember one Veterans Day reading something that you had written about your mom and her service? You were on the phone with Susan. I still have it. I saved it. You get, you always read things so beautifully. You do a great job at that. And you wrote what my mom wrote. She wrote to her mom on BJ Day. And she she had served in, in the WAC. She was a sergeant of the Women's Army Corps. And she wrote it to her, her mother on BJ Day. That's right. She My mom served in... Italy and in Africa. In fact, the first time she saw Casablanca, she was in Casablanca. Oh my God! Wow. So it was it was just an amazing story. And you know, we forget that women served then. You know, it's not so shocking now. But World War II—that's surprising. So she took you as a child back to where she had served during World War II. And you say we were in line to meet the Pope. Now this was Pope Paul the Sixth. Right. Yeah, we. Um, it was part of the tour that. Uh, uh, that was part of the arrangement of the tour, but also she still had friends in in Italy from when she served. Okay. And somehow, and, because and not everybody gets to that. see the Pope. I mean, I was in the Vatican. I didn't get to see right. the Pope. Yeah. So each person, you said, was kissing his ring. Oh, like the gift shop that they leave you to. <laughs> each person was kissing his ring. 
but your mother was not about to kiss his ring because she was a Jewess. So how did he know? Yeah, you tell the story from here, but how did he know that she was a Jew? The Pope. That's a really good question. I never quite figured that out, and neither did, did she. I think he must have uh, – her mom, well – she looked <laughs> a like a, bit of a Jewish nose, <laughs> but I think he must have assumed that uh, because he she wasn't kissing his ring that she was uh, not a Catholic. That, that maybe that was the deal. Yeah, I don't know, but she just kind of you know bowed uh, respectfully that sort of thing, and and he took her her hand. He took her and hand. Said uh, yeah, and he said. Um, uh, uh, it is very beautiful. You are a Jewess, yet you come to see me. And he he, he said so, it so sweetly. So he and, and so it wasn't until your show. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, but so the Pope said, "You are a Jewess, yet you come to see me." Was she wearing was a pleased. Star of David or something? Beautiful. Was she wearing a Star of David necklace or something? No. He just no, knew she was a Jew. That wasn't her thing. Wow. No, um, I think it was just an assumption, unless he had been tipped off, which I doubt. But uh, but I think it was just his his assumption. But I was I was struck and still am at his, and I, I can picture it at, at how pleased he was and how softly uh, he said it, and then he said that it was beautiful. And he did not use the word Jewess in a pejorative manner. Oh no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. No. He he's in, and and that's why until your show on Thursday, I had never heard that that was in any way a, a pejorative. It's not something you hear all the time. So maybe I could buy that it's dated, but I never heard it being referred to as um um that it was pejorative. Well, and what when, I also remember most is that I I loved his. He had these little red shoes <laughs> that I thought were hilarious. But that was my nine-year-old self. So he was wearing red shoes. Yes. Okay, because this the current pope does not. Francis does not. Benedict was into the red shoes. He was, and I started I started to ask my mom about it pretty quickly, and she kind of shushed me. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Mom, he's wearing red shoes. Um, I love them. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and just when I did use the word uh, Jewess uh, many, many, many years ago on WTAE radio, the it was immediate, the people calling in. The phones lit up, and it was Jewish women. Don't well, use that word. that day or else I would have called in. Yeah, well, it was it was a shocker to me. Um, the it, the only the most the other shocking moment doing talk radio to me that was one where I was just blown away, but the other was once when I um, booked a person who did not believe in evolution and thought it shouldn't be taught in schools. Now this was early, might have been 1983, 84, and I thought, this will be a riot. I thought, who wouldn't believe? And instead, 
I was blown away by the callers who absolutely agreed with him. I ended up that day feeling like I was the one that was mm. clueless. I, it was the first time I was aware that an extraordinary number of people did not buy evolution. I did not know it. God. And it hasn't that gotten any amazing. better. Yeah, it hasn't gotten any better. Hey, thank you, Jonathan. <laughs> Wonderful <laughs> Thanks, to hear from Liz. you. Love okay. You. <laughs> Bye-bye. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Um, what else? What else? Oh, this was an interesting thing. Um, and I want to... Did you see that Sunday's date, yesterday's date, if you were to write it as we, you know, you're filling in a, you know, you're online, you're making a reservation, and you have to put in the date. And yesterday's date, you would have written in 02 slash 02 slash two zero two zero that is an eight digit palindrome a palindrome is something that reads the same backwards as it does forward so backwards it's o two o two two o two o forwards it's o two o two two o two o that is the only time in this century, <laughs> I want you to know, that there will be an eight-digit palindromic date. Now, this is not the kind of thing that most people get all freaked out about, but um, the last time it happened, an eight-digit palindrome, was 2011 uh, when you had November 2nd, 2011. 1102 forward and back. But what's fascinating is we're not going to see this again. What did I, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did they say? It's uh, some people go nuts over this kind of thing, right? Um, the previous eight-digit, oh, the you know in Europe they don't do dates like we do. They put the the day first, so that in Europe it would be incredibly still the same. O two. 0220020 and where you had an eight digit palindrome for a date that crossed cultures so in Europe it was in Asia it was in America it was that is extraordinarily uh uncommon also again some people are into numbers Yesterday was the 33rd day of the year, and there are 333 days left. 
So that's all threes. Just, and on top of it, it was uh, Groundhog Day. So, um, there are 12 eight-digit palindromes and 26 seven-digit palindromes um, that exist. But I, I forgot where you'll not get a date like we had yesterday that works cross-culturally as an eight-digit palindrome. The next one will be in 12... 12, 21, 21, okay, so the next century. And then after that, the next one will not come until March 3rd, 3030. Whether there'll be anyone around to note it is anybody's guess. But so that was a, a, a very rare, uh, extra special palindromic date uh, yesterday. In case weird stuff like that, you know, interests you. It, 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 it does me. Okay, I've lost my... Okay, Barbara has emailed and says, I saw Parasite yesterday. I was not prepared for the violence. Can we say gratuitous violence? Felt the same about a scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Well, yeah, it is violent. But I thought it was a great movie. Uh, Barbara goes on, I was curious about reviews upon my return home. It gets five-star reviews and many awards, but for me, I agree with this comment. This movie did not leave a good feeling. The reviewer goes on to say, I would not recommend this film. I could recommend, but would add a caution. The violence took me by surprise. Yeah, I think I'd been warned, but yeah. It doesn't seem like that's where you're heading. Right. And I thought toward the end it, it, it did get a little lost, I thought, too. But up until, I just thought it was brilliant. And uh, Barbara also says, my age is showing, no doubt. I do not see the need for sex being acted out as well. Why is that necessary? But I never liked watching sex acts, even when I was young. As in, No, I thought, I thought, you know, our culture, like just that halftime thing, it's it's like soft porn a, a little bit. It's just like really airbrushed, slightly, there's a slight whiff of porn about it. But the porn centers on women's bodies. <laughs> and I'm so sick of it. Barbara says, I remember the first time I asked my daughter, when did female performers stop wearing pants? <laughs> I <laughs> and this is post-feminism, supposedly. So I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't pretend to understand any of it. 
Um, so interestingly, this uh, coronavirus, which is now uh, approaching pandemic um, status, um, is getting a ton of coverage in the business section. So the Wall Street Journal's going nuts covering this. The New York Times, because the impact on the global economy because of this is already starting to show, and we really don't know how huge it will be. Because China, which is essentially quarantined and closed down right now, um, is where so much of the stuff required to create the other stuff we desire is made. So the disruption of global supply chains is only starting. Uh, China accounts for about one-third of all global economic growth. That's a larger share than uh, us and Europe combined, and throw in Japan's economy. U.S., Europe, and Japan's economy matches China's by itself in terms of economic growth. So, for instance, Qualcomm, the, uh, the dominant by far maker of the chips required for our mobile phones is totally dependent on Canada. I mean, Canada, on China. Um, it is impossible, according to this business writer, it is impossible to calculate the extent to which this will disrupt China's economy. But China's economy, if disrupted, disrupts our economy, Europe's economy, the global economy. Uh, the effects of the virus on supply chains, and by the way, they say here that supply chains are just notoriously complex. For instance, a single part of, uh, let's say, a smart TV, a single ingredient in what makes a smart TV may itself be made out of dozens of smaller components. All of this, which comes from different sources, and a ton of which comes out of China. Companies that manufacture stuff often do not know the suppliers that, are, that they rely on that are three and four rungs down the chain. They know they get this piece they need from this company, but they don't know who that company gets the piece they need and who that company needs the piece they need. But it would not be surprising if a ton of these, if you follow that, end up in China.
And so it is quite conceivable that production lines are going to slow and perhaps stop altogether, depending on how long this pandemic, if it, if it finally gets that status, and it I, apparently is going to. So the world is, no, is now dependent on a country, China, and China is pretty much under quarantine. <coughs> Apple uh, makes most of its products in China. They have closed all of their stores there. They have uh, 42 stores in the country. Walmart has 430 stores. They have closed some and pulled back hours on others. And the ripple effect on the global economy, just in case you hadn't been paying attention to that, is going to be potentially huge. Where did I miss this? This is a heads up for a series starting on HBO tonight called um, McMillions. I think I vaguely remember this story. But this is a, a, a series, a documentary series, about the monopoly game that McDonald's uh, used as a marketing gimmick in the, uh, in the 80s and 90s. I recall it. I never understood it, and I didn't play it. And it's a good thing I didn't because it was rigged. And McDonald's didn't know it was rigged. But it took the FBI years and years to figure out what the hell had happened. And this series, McMillions, is um, about unraveling how the FBI uh, worked on it. Um, it turned out, just to cut to the chase, and I don't remember this that uh, a security guard who had been a cop once, uh, 12 years a cop, then became a security guard, and he actually was a security officer, excuse me, didn't mean guard, security officer for the marketing company that oversaw the production of the pieces of the game. There were little pieces that you got and then that you had to put on a board. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't understand. It was too complicated for me. But the security officer for the marketing company that is making the things, he simply walked in and grabbed all the winning pieces. They never made it into circulation. He pocketed the winning pieces and then gave them to, for money, so he didn't give them, he sold them to friends, family, and they all won the game. 
And I don't know when they figured out the fix was in because this game went on for years, didn't it? It came back, it left, it came back. I don't know. But if you're interested in that kind of crazy story, um, it starts tonight on HBO. McMillions. That is vague. Uh, anyway. Oh, God. There's a story on, are we going to feel comfortable with um, Donald Trump uh, in charge when this pandemic hits us? The guy who has pretty much denuded uh, our government of uh, scientific expertise. Uh, no, I, uh, I find that uh, a little bit frightening. In 2018, the Trump administration fired the government's entire pandemic response chain of command. Shall I repeat that? In 2018, the Trump administration fired the government's entire pandemic response chain of command, including the White House management infrastructure. In numerous phone calls and emails with key agencies across the government, the only consistent response the reporter who wrote this piece encountered was distressed confusion. If the United States still has a clear chain of command for pandemic response, the White House urgently, urgently needs to clarify what the hell it is who, in fact, it is. Not just for the public, but for the government itself, which largely finds itself in the dark. Wow. That is... Lori Garrett. Is that... What's, what's that from? Uh, foreign Policy. Like, uh, there's not enough to be worried. Don't worry about the virus. Worry about your government having dismantled the very agency that's supposed to deal with it. God. It's part of dismantling anything Barack Obama did. He put it in place. That kind of, this kind of chain of command. It was, uh, taken away by uh, our great, great president. Oh, dear. Okay, well, um, I think that's it. Uh, Susan should join us tomorrow, as far as I know. And um, the sun is out. There's the optimism. You know what? You go outside. It's warm. Blue sky. I can see it right out the window in front of me. Beautiful blue sky. Take a walk or sit in the park or do that. There's nothing more healing than nature. Nothing. Okay? That's my, uh, yeah, look beyond the horrors of the culture and our political situation and look at the glory of nature. 
just a suggestion. Okay, thanks for joining me, and I'll uh, see you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.